Good morning and welcome back to the morning briefing. Today is, what is today, Bert? I'm sorry. Today is, um, is it May 5th? Yes, because yesterday was May 4th be with you. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, today is May 5th and this is episode 177. I am your host, Phil Brandt, and with me is co-host Bert Garland, shareholder from Olga Tree Deacons, coming all the way from Phoenix, Arizona, where they're hosting their uh their annual conference uh, down there in Phoenix. Thank you for joining us so early, Bert. I guess you're a couple hours behind. Um, we appreciate you getting up and being a part of the program. It's Bert and I's goal to keep you informed so you can more effectively lead your organization. You know, Bert, in preparation for the leadership conference that we had yesterday, you and I have to get on, on sequence here so that I can attend your conference and you can attend ours. Um, in uh, preparation for our conference, I shared some stats about the morning briefing, and of course, it's 107 to 7 episodes, and I'm not sure that I recognize what that meant in the impact that we have, but that means we've had almost, was it 29,000 views of our program and helping our members, your clients, uh, stay informed. 29,000 views. That is quite an accomplishment. I was really proud of that and wish you could have been with us while we shared that information um, with our members. And we had a table of morning briefing uh, attendees, and it was just a really great event. But I wanted to say thank you. I've said thank you to so many people over the last 24 hours, but I want to say thank you for being a part of that, um, because obviously, um, you're not only the eye candy bird, but you're a great, great resource to our members. And we appreciate you and Ogletree's support in this process. So thank you for being a part of that. Of course, happy to do it. And I uh, heard you had a great conference yesterday. And we definitely need to get synced up on our conferences so that we can uh, share, share in each other's uh, uh, conferences going forward. Right, absolutely. And, and and I do think that would be important. I know also uh, Feature Group is part of that. They've been a part of every one of our uh, our broadcast and, you know, producer Nick, who everyone has got to know. And yesterday uh, at our conference, they got to meet in person, does a great job producing the conference or a, a great job producing the show, but they also help us produce our conference. And I don't know how many cameras they had, but I mean, we had a rock and roll event going on and lights and sound system and cameras and uh, producer Nick was running around with the camera getting rock and roll shots and it was just fantastic um, and their their talents go far beyond the production uh, and video editing capability and, and Nick you and your team there feature group uh, fantastic job as always you've been a part of all of our conferences from day one we thank you for that as well you're welcome but, hey uh, the stock just went up in ibuprofen actually after yeah. yesterday. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nick, can you bring up, we had a couple special guests at our conference. I just want to share that with our listeners who were not in attendance. Um, and if we can bring that up, I got it on my screen back here behind us, but of course, everyone knew that uh, Kenny Arnoff, our headliner was going to be there. And, you know, Kenny is one of the world's top drummers and just the list goes on and on with the number of people he has played with and produced records with. I think he's got over 300, almost 400 hit uh, records that he's been uh, the featured drummer on from everyone from, you know, John Fogarty and people know him most with John um, Cougar Mellencamp, but all the way through through more recent artists today, like Lady Gaga, Bruno Mars, 
uh, you name it. I mean, he has just played with them all and had some amazing stories and did a good job. But we had a special guest, Bert, and you weren't there. And I want to introduce you to a, a up and coming rock star. Uh, not everyone's familiar with this guy, but it's an up and coming rock star, special guest. He came and he played on stage and it was a fantastic performance by Phil Van Jagger. There you go. There's Phil Van Jagger for you, Bert. Uh, he made a, good a special, special appearance. It was his first coming out uh, appearance for everyone. And it was just going to be uh, a great event. And uh, <laughs> Phil and Kenny had a great time together. And, and I think we will see more of Phil Van Jagger as uh, time goes on. What, um, what did, what did, what did uh, Kenny Arnoff think of uh, Phil, Mick Jagger or Phil, Phil Van Jagger? No, uh, it's Phil Van Jagger. Phil Van yeah, Jagger. Don't, don't, don't confuse him right. with Mick Jagger or Van right. Halen. He is his own character this All time. Right. He's so, bigger than both of them put together. So what did, right, what did so, Kenny Arnoff think of? Uh, well, his, I, Mr. I saw, Van Jagger's I saw Kenny abilities. ask, I saw Kenny ask for uh, Van Jagger's autograph at one point. Uh, so I think he was a little starstruck and uh, I heard him campaigning to play on his next uh, new release. So wow. hopefully we'll see more of Phil Van Jagger as we go on. But we had a great conference all together. I know a lot of our listeners were there. I want to reach out to our listeners and just say, if you were at the conference yesterday in the chat line, if you will, tell me what was your best takeaway from the conference? I'd like to know uh, from our keynotes, your breakout sessions, uh, what was it that you enjoyed the most other than the beer and the wine after, afterwards? I want to know what you learned, right? Not, not what you enjoyed the most, like the beer and wine and music. Um, but we'll use that as our kickoff chat question today. But Bert, tell me how things are going in Arizona. I know it's early. I know that's not the sunrise behind you in the background, but what, what do you got going on down there? Yeah, so uh, we've got uh, over 600 clients out here, a couple hundred people from uh, Ogletree between the attorneys and support folks out here. It is seven, uh, 5.37 in the morning out here, so nice and early. The sun is actually rising, but uh, when, when I got on the broadcast, it wasn't quite uh, up yet, so you have the virtual background there behind me. But, uh, you know, this is what it looks like out here. It's beautiful. It's uh you know, roughly 63, 64 degrees in the morning, 94 uh, or so during the afternoon, dry heat though, and uh, quite beautiful. We've got a great conference. We just started yesterday and uh, the main part of the conference is today and tomorrow, and then it wraps up uh, on Saturday morning. So we've got a great program scheduled out here. And uh, one thing I did, you know, I just can't, can't stop with uh, topics related to the morning briefing and COVID and everything, is I did an informal poll out here of, uh, of clients and Ogletree people who uh, traveled from their respective locations out to Scottsdale for our conference. And I asked people, just out of curiosity, what was your experience in the airports where you came from and on the airplanes? Mm -hmm. How many people are masking up? And I got no higher uh, estimates than 10%. And most people said probably somewhere in between 3 to 6% of people were masking up. And that's very consistent with what I've observed when I've been on airplanes uh, fairly recently. Uh, and in airports that uh, the majority of people are not masking up. And it's really interesting because just uh, either yesterday or the day before, uh, it, the CDC actually reinstated 
their mask recommendation for planes and trains. Everybody knows that uh, just a, a couple weeks ago, a federal judge in Florida struck down the Biden administration's mask mandate, but the CDC uh, yesterday or the day before came out and recommends that you still continue wearing masks on public transportation. And uh, you know it'll be interesting to see if that uh, has any sway on people on what their behavior is because my experience the last uh, few weeks since that federal court struck down the mask mandate and the airlines went away from mandatory masking and the trans TSA went away from mandatory masking is that literally hardly anyone is wearing masks while they're traveling. Yeah, and, and I, I can just tell you at our conference, I'm curious how your conference is looking. We did have a few people wearing masks and you know I think there's a reasonable um, understanding for that. First of all, if you feel like you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I mean, that, that's absolutely fine. I don't think you and I are ever suggesting don't wear a mask by Correct. any means. And, you know, there are some people that have um, compromised health situations and they need to wear a mask for a lot of reasons. And it um, starts with COVID, but it doesn't always end with COVID. Um, so please don't ever misunderstand our position. What we're trying to do is share with our business leaders always what we learn and what we observe and, and, and our observations so that you can most effectively lead your business. Um, but I, I can just tell you, there was, you know, maybe five or six people out of, you know, 450 yesterday that um, were wearing a mask and that's absolutely, absolutely fine. I suspect that might be a part of our uh, culture going forward. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, but our government will continue to have a position on it. We will still have always the extremes, um, and we'll try and bring some reasonableness into those, uh, those extreme points of view. Um, but that's uh, very interesting. It didn't take long to shed the mask on uh, public transportation, even though there is a recommendation. Um, Bert, uh, some other things I would like to maybe get from you know, to share with the group. You were talking about some... Uh, um, stats as it relates to um, child vaccines, uh, the vaccine for children, if I would. Um, can you share some of those stats? I found those to be quite interesting. Yeah, I'd be happy to do so. So uh, there was a poll conducted very recently uh, by the Kaiser Family Foundation uh, about COVID-19 vaccines and about one-fifth of parents of kids under the age of five say they are quote unquote, eager to get their children vaccinated. So one out of five, 20% are eager to get their children vaccinated. A larger share, 38% say they plan to wait uh, a while to see how the vaccine is working for others. About 40%, uh, four in 10 parents of children under five are more reluctant to get their children vaccinated with 27% saying they will definitely not get their children vaccinated hmm. and 11% saying they will only do so if they are required. Yeah. So I thought that that was really uh, pretty interesting. Just over half of the parents of children in that age range say they don't have enough information about the vaccine safety and effectiveness for children under age five. So really interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there are any mandates or requirements that children under the age of five have to be vaccinated and then what parents will do in response to that. 
So, so that's interesting, particularly, I think, when, when you consider those stats and our conversation about the article in the FDA Journal of American Medicine, um, and, and uh, maybe you can share a little bit about, about that data, because when you put those two pieces together, I think it might suggest, you know, kind of where we're at and how we're going to go forward from here, um, unless there's some unforeseen changes uh, that lie ahead. Yeah, so interestingly, the uh, top FDA officials in the last couple of days wrote in the Journal of American Medicine, uh, JAMA, uh, that an annual COVID vaccine may soon become the quote unquote new normal and that it's going to be treated a lot like the flu from here on out with, of course, every, most people, not everybody, with, but with most people getting uh, an annual flu shot. And so along with an annual flu shot, you may be getting an annual COVID-19 vaccine or COVID-19 shot uh, as we move forward. And I did think it was really interesting that the, the FDA officials did refer to this sort of as the new normal and, and that it'll likely be treated a lot more like the flu as we move forward. Yeah. So I, I want to just... Um move over to the chat line that's coming in because apparently a lot of our listeners, as we anticipated, were at the conference. Um, and there were just some amazing takeaways at the conference. And one of uh, the takeaways here that Doug has shared was um, from Kathy Mazzarella's speech. Um, and she, uh, Kathy is, if you don't know, the president, CEO, and chairman, chairwoman of uh, Graybar. And um, she was our lead off speaker and did a phenomenal job. And just some background on Kathy. Kathy has only worked one place and it was with Graybar. And she started uh, there uh, with um, an interview where she said, I'm going to be the president of this company someday. And you think about, you know, 30 years ago when someone um, may have said that, particularly a female in a, in a male dominant industry like Graybar, electrical components and so on. Um, that that's probably pretty laughable back then when, you know, you have a, a young person who's a dropout out of college come in and say, well, I'm going to be the president of, of this. And, you know, you're you're 20 years old and I want to be the president. That's why you should hire me. And Kathy goes on and tells a really phenomenal story. I found it to be very interesting. One of my favorite speakers of the day. Um, and she had a, a scenario where she talked about you know, looking into the mirror and seeing the faces uh, who helped you get to where you are. You know, obviously we all look in the mirror and we, and we see the reflection of ourselves, but you know, upon whose shoulders did, uh, did we stand uh, to get into the positions that we're in, regardless of the position, and we're all been influenced by people. And, and she went on to tell some great stories. And uh, that was one of the uh, important takes away, take away from Doug's. So Bert, just as you think about that, is there anyone that comes to mind um, that when you look in the mirror and you say, you know, I'm a reflection of these people to help me get to where I am as a shareholder of Ogletree, not to put you on the spot? Yeah, there, there's absolutely positively one person who comes to mind when I think of who, who's been instrumental in my success. And uh, it's, it's the recently, somewhat recently passed away uh, United States District Judge for the Southern District of Illinois, William D. Steele. Uh, Judge Steele, uh, I did a, a, what's called a judicial externship for him while I was in law school. Uh, my second year of law school where I participated in his chambers as a student for 
uh, one semester and uh, Judge Steele then hired me as his law clerk for uh, when I graduated from law school and uh, I ended up staying at the at the court for three years and uh, he he was he was he was that one guy I can really point to who just uh, absolutely influenced the rest of my life. Yeah, I love, I love the name. That's a great name for a judge, Judge Steele. Yeah, he, they, they didn't call him Lockdown Steele, did they? They called him U.S. Steele. The U.S. Uh, Steele, I love it. Yeah. The the uh, the 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 uh, FBI, the uh, DEA, most of those federal enforcement agencies <laughs> referred to him as U.S. Steele because he was so uh, tough on 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 criminals. So you know, there's obviously been a ton of people who've who've influenced and and played a role in. Uh, where I am today, uh, being an attorney with Ogletree Deacons, but uh, he's the one guy who who immediately comes to mind when you ask that question. Awesome. Well, we're we're thankful for Judge Steele's influence because uh, you're here with us today, and we appreciate that. Um, Sally here said that she uh, really enjoyed uh, Kenny and and some of his speech, particularly you know, do what you love to do, and you know, Kenny went on and on about. You know, when you love what you do, it, you know, it's an old cliche, you know, you'll never work a, a, you know, a single day. But, you know, we know doing what you love to do in our professions is work and it is hard work. And he had, you know, emphasized that message, you know, the number of hours every single day, seven days a week that he would sit, you know, in the room himself, just playing the drums and practicing different percussions and doing things. And, you know, I know you do. I know I do. I know producer Nick does. We, we love what we do and, and our listeners love what they do. And it's a it's a darn hard job. Sometimes it's a really hard job. But that doesn't mean we don't love it and we don't do it with passion. Um, and uh, that's a, a great message uh, from Kenny. And he said uh, he also took away from Kenny's speech. Um, his success was realized when he understood it was never about him. And this, I thought, was a really important lesson, that it was always about how he could help the team be better. And that, you know, that's a really important lesson. I know some of us learn when we play sports. Um, however, sometimes even when we play sports, we don't learn that lesson, particularly if we're the star of the team. Um, and, and it's very easy to think it's about us. It's about our emotion. It's about our feeling. It's about our excitement, our disappointment. And, you know, really being a leader has got nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do about with those who we lead. Um, and another wise man told me once, if you think you're the leader and you think you're doing a good job, turn around and see who's following you. Uh, and that might tell you a whole lot about how you're leading. Because um, sometimes I know I turn around and and, and there's nobody behind me, Bert, you know, they've all stopped and said, whoa, we're not going there, Phil. But that was a great lesson as well. Rob, um, he took away from my tech speech um, that the American dream is real. Um, so Mark Lee was uh, our closing keynote speaker and did, did a great job. And he he was um, he's a, a first generation Asian American. And he was just talking about, you know, he and his family coming here as an immigrant and you can see the success that he has had with the Berkshire Hathaway, you know, global organization. I think they're in 30 different countries around the world. And, you know, it's just a true American dream for him to realize. And, you know, that's what I love about America is that American dream is real. And, uh, and we all pursue it in our own way. And that's what makes it the American dream. We pursue it in our own way. 
but just some just some really good messages that have come out um, in that conference as well. Uh, let's see, Bert. Yes, Phil. I am not sure what the heck is going on with the Supreme Court. And I don't want to get into uh, a debate of Roe versus Wade or, or any of that on our program. That, that's not what that is, unless that becomes a workplace issue for us. And it might at some point with just a little bit of unrest. Um, but I don't understand what they're talking about when they say there's a leak and what's happening. Can you just bring some light to that? In case anyone else is in the same spot I am, we still need to be informed so that we can have the proper conversations as leaders. Absolutely. So without uh, wading into the abortion debate at all, I'm going to focus on the procedural uh, issues that have taken place and um, how that's how that's impacted sort of the sanctity or the institution that is the U.S. Supreme Court. So generally, my understanding is, and I do have a little bit of insight into this, the U.S. Supreme Court, the justices, when they consider an issue, each justice, they oftentimes will write their own opinion of, of the decision. Uh, they'll, they'll, they and their law clerks will work on an opinion, and these are draft opinions. And they're not the, the opinion of the court, but they're the draft opinion of that particular judge. And the judges then, the justices then get together and they discuss their respective opinions. And a lot of times as they discuss the decisions, there's trade-offs uh, in, in what one judge says, and they may trade something with another judge as they debate and consider these issues. And eventually the Supreme Court will issue a decision of the court, whatever the majority of the court wants to decide that will be the opinion of the court. And then of course, there might be the minority of the court, they may write their own decisions, their own dissenting opinions, or their own concurrences. And so there are various opinions that are out there that don't necessarily represent the opinion of the full court. What most uh, media are reporting right now is that this is a draft opinion by Justice Alito that was then leaked to the media. Uh, and this draft opinion by Justice Alito would essentially overturn Roe versus Wade as a federal right guaranteeing the right, uh, women the right to abortions. And I want to make one thing very clear. It's not saying that women don't have any right to an abortion, but it's kicking the issue back to the various states for the states to determine through legislation whether there should be a right to abortion or not. Again, I'm not gonna wade into the debate at all, just sort of teeing up what that debate is. And so uh, with this leaked opinion, there are a lot of people who are speculating that this uh, leaked opinion, uh, I've heard that it was, that pe some people speculate it was leaked in order to try to put pressure on the court not to overturn Roe versus Wade, that it was leaked to sort of energize the Democratic base uh, in advance of the midterm elections. There's a lot of theories out there on why it was leaked. Uh, there is an effort underway to- So you're not suggesting it may have been just an accident. <laughs> well, so let me tell you a little bit about that. Again, from, from some folks who uh, have some direct involvement in the Supreme Court, my understanding again is, is that these Supreme Court, these draft opinions, they're shredded two different directions, whatever that means. They get shredded one way and then they're taken out and shredded a different way. And then they're actually burned after that. 
They're not on a computer system. Oh, it's easy to see how that would leak then. I get They're, it. Yeah, yeah it's the, the computer system that these draft opinions are on uh, also is apparently very secure, not connected to the internet at all. And uh, so there is a substantial likelihood that they, they will figure out who actually did the leaking. Uh, but uh, again, the, the, this certainly was not accidental. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, um, it, I think it's just an important um an important understanding for our listeners to have um, because it very likely um, may become a voice in and around our community or even in our workplaces uh, that we may end up having to manage independently of whatever position we all may have. And as you know, wonderful Americans, we get those opinions. Um, but that's a, that's some good insight. And thank you for for sharing that. And as we learn more, uh, we'll be sure to share that. Um, another great takeaway from Sally, I really enjoyed this one too. It made me think for a moment is that, um, you know, think about that, about this Mark's opinion was that, uh, he shared in his story that obviously it's better to invest $200 in education than it is on a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought about that. I'm like, you know, um, there are a lot of parents out there will buy their kids a phone or invest in that and, but they won't necessarily pay for tutoring or you know, any special education or help. Um, they might feel that they can't afford it, but they'll prioritize their money towards a smartphone. Um, and whether you're a, a young person or an adult, education is obviously uh, the higher choice there. Uh, Mark from, um, also mentioned he liked the gray bar speech, don't allow other people to put you uh, in a box, control your own narrative, crawl out of the box was part of that message. If you're gonna put me in one, I'm gonna break the top off and crawl out. You know, everyone wants to compartmentalize um, people and or things uh, in an orderly way. And then when they do that, sometimes they, you know, they put you in a box and, and that can kind of minimize the impact that you potentially could have. So just really some, some great, great, great feedback here. Looks like Michelle says, you know, uh, good morning. How, how can I, I'm reading something else. How can I get on the list to be notified when the Ogletree Deacon is, host, is hosting events? How does uh, Michelle get on that list? For, yeah, so uh, first, you got, if you're a client, that helps, right? If, if you're a client, you should already be on the list. And uh, if not, why don't you just reach out, shoot me an email, and I will make sure you get a uh, link to our sign up, uh, Burton, B U R T O N dot Garland, G A R L A N D at Ogletree.com. Phil, you can see the sun is rising out here out in uh, I can see the sunshine Arizona. on your face, Bert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can I can get rid of the 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 virtual background here shortly. <laughs> Actually, you know what I thought that was at first because I asked you, you know, who's been inspirational in your life, you know, and who helped you get there and I know that you're traveling. I have no idea if your family is with you, but you didn't mention your wife and your kids <laughs> supporting you. So I figured they might be shining lights on you trying to interrupt your broadcast this morning. Um but uh I I already know that answer. I think we all do. We know the love you have for your family, um, but that's uh, um, that goes without saying for sure. Absolutely. And, and again, I will say you did ask the narrow question about uh, instrumental, I think, in my career. How did I get to where I am at Ogletree Deacons? Of course, everyone played a role, my wife, my family. But uh, if, if I have to think back about that one person who's just sort of 
you know, change the direction of, of where I was intending to go, that, that would be Judge Steele. One other piece of trivia for you uh, that I think is kind of interesting, if people can still see me with this bright sunshine coming in, uh, there, Judge Steele, right before uh, my clerkship ended, my wife and I traveled to Washington, D.C., um, and he uh, arranged a very, very nice private tour of the U.S. Supreme Court for my wife and for me. And we did not realize that this was going to be a really private tour. She and I both showed up in shorts and T-shirts. <laughs> and uh, the, a, a former uh, general from the United States military, one of the branches of the military, who was the clerk of the Supreme Court at the time, his last name was Souter, not to be confused with Justice Souter, but uh, General Souter came Souter. out. Yeah, I think right. Bruce Souter. So you go right down the court and I'm going down sports. There we go. <laughs> uh, General Souter came out and gave us uh, quite the tour of the U.S. Supreme Court. What most people don't realize, do you know, Phil, what is the highest court in the land? Do you know what that is? No, I, I just uh, assumed it was the Supreme Court. That's what most people assume. There's actually a higher court in the land and it's on the top floor of the U.S. Supreme Court building. And on that top floor, there's a basketball court, and it's referred to as the highest court in the land. And I actually took a shot uh, on the on one of the baskets up there, and uh, uh, with my basketball prowess, I missed. <laughs> Excellent. And that's when you knew, all right, I'm in the right place. I got to pursue my, my career in law. Yeah. Awesome. I did not know that, but that's a great trivia question, isn't it? Yep. What is, yeah. when, when, when you ask insiders, what is the highest court in the land? They will tell you it's the basketball court that's on top of the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, Nick, if you can put up that picture of uh, Van, Van Jagger and, uh, and Kenny again. I just want to, this guy was Van, not Van Jagger. Van Jagger is a really young and up and coming rock star. Uh, but did Kenny. You, did you say young? He's oh yeah he's okay, really young right. you know he lives the the rock star life so he, he looks aged uh, <laughs> but Kenny is sixty nine years old and wow I don't you can't really see it from that picture but the guy has pipes and um, you know I guess if you sit around and you drum all day bang on your drums all day I think there's a song like that um, but he just um, he rocked it he rocked it and we brought a band in afterwards and he came back out. Um, after the conference and he played with the band during happy hour. Um, and it's just phenomenal. He stepped in, never met any of these musicians before. Wow. And you would have thought that they've been playing together for years. They did a fantastic job, but in closing, Bert, again, I want to say to you on behalf of the attendees at your table, they said, thank you to Ogletree, uh, Nick, and Fred and the team at Feature Group, you all did a, a great job. I know Tim is probably out there listening today um, and he did a great job and Debbie and the staff here pulled everything together. I'm just so proud of, of the work the team did. Um, and now we know why you grow, as you were growing up, Bert, why your father called you Sonny. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> all right, so we will uh, see you back here next Thursday, 7.30 Central Standard Time. You all take care until then. Bye-bye. If you've ever been to a career fair, there are many different companies there, all clamoring the attention of these 22, 23-year-olds just about to graduate college. And we needed something that set us apart. 
So we produced a VR video that showed a glimpse in the life of what it was like to work for Nortech. But they could do so in a way that really was pushing the edge of technology, which is how we wanted to be seen by those candidates. We empower our employees to reach forward and look for those new opportunities. And the VR technology, using it during the recruiting process, allowed us to do that.